the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get exclusive ad free content at your fingertips. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track first in your web browser. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription and you're off and running from there. We are also provided by Dynasty Owner. It is fantasy football time, especially Dynasty Fantasy Football, which is a 12-month operation. And the guys at Dynasty Owner have built a heck of an application with plenty of bells and whistles, lots of customization, and real NFL salaries being utilized throughout the entire process. You've got to make the real GM decisions. you got to do everything that the real guys do. And it's complicated and fun and challenging and really unlike anything else you've got out there. Visit DynastyOwner.com, check out more information, and register now. Get yourself ready to roll in mid-May as we head into mini camps, as we head into toward training camps, and of course, the final roster cuts for the 2022 NFL season. And we are going to start today with the NFL 2022 season. My name is Mike Giannetti. Quick open here with some recent NFL contracts, kind of some breakdowns, some thoughts, things like that. And then we will switch gears to the NBA because... It is the final four in the NBA, but that means a lot of teams are already in off-season mode. We had the NBA lottery last night. Keith Smith, Scott Allen, and myself kind of go around the notable notes from that in terms of teams that were are picking high, some teams that maybe got pushed down the line a little bit, and then a quick flip to 15 outstanding off-season previews that Keith Smith's already done for SpotTrack.com. We break out some bullet points from those and uh, go off on some tangents, as you will, with some certain players that could be on the move via trade, via signing trade, via free agency. Keith's got all the inside info on all that. So the back end of the show is a big-time NBA offseason and draft primer. But first, James Bradbury has a new home. It's one that we kind of expected. I think Kansas City was in. I think maybe New Orleans at some point would have been in for James Bradbury. It sounds like 11 teams made him an offer. And Philadelphia won out. So he'll be paired with Darius Slay and a veteran defense to go with an incredibly non-veteran offense. Let's put it that way. But look, that's a weak division, that NFC East. And Philadelphia has done a lot of homework this offseason. They've really put some time into this. I thought they drafted properly. I think some of these offseason acquisitions in terms of free agency and via trade are going to have immediate impacts. Now, are they a little long in the tooth, right? Are some of those players that probably should have moved on still in tow and could they become anchors? That's how, that's the question we can't answer until December or January, but Bradbury's a hell of a fit here. The contract, we don't have the full details, but it sounds like it carries a base value of seven and a half million and seven to five of that is fully guaranteed. So that's probably base salary and a signing bonus with most likely void years to, to dump that cap hit down nice and low. And then some per-game active bonuses built into that at the back end that he's got to earn or possibly a workout bonus even. So what's the difference, right? He was a giant a couple of days ago. He was outright released in that regard. He was set to earn $13.5 million cash this year on that Giants contract. And there was a $21.8 million cap there. So you can understand why the team, like the Giants, who are kind of floating in midair right now, needed to get off that deal. It wasn't a tradable contract. He was outright released. There is $2 million of fully guaranteed salary on that contract, um, which most likely will be offset by this Eagles contract. I don't have the language in front of me to be able to confirm that, but most likely that cash will be rolled into the Eagles situation and just canceled out. But it's possible that he's double dipping here. It's possible that he'll earn $2 million from the Giants and another $7.5 million minimum from Philadelphia. Now there's two and a half million worth of incentives in this contract. So upwards of $10 million. So uh, no matter what, he's not getting back to that 13 and a half million that he was originally supposed to make with the Giants. But it's a pretty strong deal for a 28 year old player, almost 29 year old player who switched teams late in the game. Anybody, any, anybody right now looking for a contract, it's just not going to be the top of the market, unfortunately. So he joins a good defense, uh, a team that has a real chance at this division. And he, he gets a one-year showcase contract, and he'll flip this thing over and either stick out an extension here or hit the market just before age 30 and do it all over again. Tyron Matthew goes home. The LSU product goes back to New Orleans. This was an expected contract as well, although the numbers 
are definitely lower than what he was anticipating originally. I think this is a player that Kansas City just assumed he was going to get priced out of. And, and it sounds like Kansas City never made a formal offer because the numbers that were coming back to them and maybe the, you know, the bang versus the buck with the player. And they, they had a, a replacement kind of lined up quickly in Justin Reed that brought him in quickly on three for 30. Well, guess what? <laughs> the pace value of Tyron Matthews is three for 28.3. Plenty of incentives to get him over that $30, $30 million threshold. Annual, you know, about one and a half million annual plus all pro built into that. So there's a decent chance that he'll get upwards of 20 million over the next two years. But for now, it's two years, 18 million. And that's as good as I can tell you. The uh, base salaries this year and next year are fully guaranteed. He got a nice signing bonus. And there's a March 2024 roster bonus built into Matthew's contract to give himself some sort of out before he hits age 32. So look, he's age 30. You can understand that some of the teams turned off on this, and, and Kansas City appears to be one of them. But he's joining a situation that should fit him nicely, and he certainly didn't break the bank. There's void years on this. His year one cap it is $3.4 million. So just the Saints being the Saints, they're all over again. And finally, a big-time cornerback extension in Jair Alexander. I did a YouTube breakdown on this today. If you want to get in more depth detail of how this one lays out, but $21 million per year is a top. $30 million signing bonus is a top. $31 million cash in year one is a top for cornerbacks. And the two-year, three-year payout of 45 and 61 are right up there with, with Denzel Ward and Jalen Ramsey in terms of all-time cornerback pay. So this is three years, $61 million on its face. Uh, you know, that $30 million bonus is the only real full guarantees up front. That's how the Green Bay Packers do business. But big-time roster bonus built in the next March, another one in 2024. He's pretty secure, and he's only 25 years old. So to, to be able to go three for 61 or four for 78 and a half over the next four seasons in Green Bay, then get out of this thing most likely and get back to the market before age 29, this guy's going to be able to double dip pretty nicely on these contracts. So if he remains what was a top 20 pick from 2018, if he remains with that kind of talent, and uh, gets himself a chance to get back to that market or stick around for an extension when the salary cap is upwards of $300 million a year in 2025. Big-time bucks coming from this guy. So really strong deal, well-balanced. Um, I think it, it counters the lack of upfront guarantees that Green Bay simply refuses to offer nicely with the early bonuses. Uh, there's probably a, bon a restructure built into that roster bonus next year, which could solidify the fourth year in terms of dead cap. And like I said, even if this is four for 78, he gets out of this thing well before age 30 and has a real chance to get to do this all over again, either in Green Bay or elsewhere on that open market. All right. Plenty of trade and extension candidates coming. That'll be my next uh, homework assignment for SpotTrack.com, kind of breaking down what's next, what's left in this NFL offseason. A couple of names out there in free agency. Certainly a couple of names being floated in the trade, trade um, rumors still. And... Uh, We'll kind of clean up all that as much as possible and certainly be sticking with the, uh, the daily grind of signing draft picks. All that's on NFL slash draft on spot track. And of course, the NFL slash cap tracker has up-to-date cap and cash information for every team who are basically upwards of 90 men now. Everybody has the ability to go to 90-man rosters. Most are there. Some are a couple under. But there's a lot of... Uh, Couple guys in, couple guys out right now, pretty much every day in the NFL. And that's how it's going to be with camps and tryouts and then certainly training camp uh, straight through July. So plenty of NFL offseason moves. But look, we got to split some time here with the NBA because you know how this stuff works. The big teams don't just sit on their hands in that league and the big players don't just sit on their hands either. If a player wants out, he's going to get out. And if a team wants to make a change, there's always somebody who can take on a contract no matter how bad it is. And that makes every single offseason for the NBA gold. So let's talk about some of that with Keith Smith and Skydown. All right, the NBA roundtable is back. There's plenty to talk about. Keith Smith, thanks for joining. How was your Tuesday? It's a busy Tuesday, right? With Boston and with the NBA draft lottery. Just give us the, uh, the general consensus on how yesterday went for you. Yeah, it was busy because it was a lot of, uh, you know, people, of course, when you cover a team and they, they make a run, uh, everybody gets more interested nationally. So there was a lot of radio during the day. And, and some of that was, you know, Hey, let's talk to lottery too, since that's going on. Yeah. And, oh, by the way. and then there was a lot of talk on the, uh, 
offseason previews as well, um, which was really nice because those are clearly getting some traction and people are seeing them. And then the other part was uh, the the lottery and then then the game itself late, later in the day. And that's always a, a fun day. The lottery is just kind of an absurd exercise that we get this whole half hour per show out of you know this uh, thing that in, in reality takes about five minutes to do. Uh, but I, I love it. It's you know, just one of the silly things about the NBA that we love. It's not as gross as the NFL schedule release, but it's getting there, isn't it? It's getting there. Look, yeah. it will, uh, we'll, or the world cup draw. <laughs> that I, was pretty brutal. Too. You're right. And they haven't even figured that out yet. I feel like they could do better with that, but, uh, right? we'll, we'll keep the Celtic stuff away. If you want to follow Keith on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA, he is well into the deep, deep weeds with Boston in terms of the goods and the bads right now. It's a two part segment though, for sure. We're going to stick lottery at the top here, and then we'll switch to some of those off season previews you mentioned that are on spotrite.com right now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to frame the draft lottery this way for you. I think the most interesting positioning and how the chips fell yesterday lies with OKC. I think OKC being number two is super fascinating because, and maybe I'm wrong and, and both Scott and Keith can jump in here. I don't think there's a dead set. Number one, I know Chet is the name and he's been the name now for quite a while, but that's not a slam dunk fit with Orlando, right? It's, they do have some big men. They don't have a Chet, but they do have some big men. But I think OKC sitting there number two with 77 first round picks and a need for that big man is really fascinating stuff. Keith, what do you think about that just off the top here? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of truth to that for sure. I think when we look at this um, uh, draft, because there is not a consensus number one, there, there's not a Zion Williamson or an Anthony Davis or you know, a lot of years, somebody you know emerges and everybody feels that's the guy. That's the guy who has to go number one overall. And what ends up happening in these situations is sometimes you're okay picking number two because then you you take the next best guy. Um, that you feel feel good about. And I kind of think that's maybe where OKC is. They're going to get a great player uh, here in this draft, without a doubt. Uh, that is you know, very obvious. And that's you know what they need. They, they have a really good foundation of guys, but do they have that true super duper star? Well, we'll see. Maybe Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets there, but they've got that chance in this draft, whether it be Chet Holmgren or uh, Jabari Smith or maybe Paolo Bancaro, um, if they like him more, that uh, one of those three guys is going to go there and they're, they're, they're going to get themselves what I feel will be a really, really good player. So do you believe then that they'll just stay pat and kind of let the chips fall their way? Or do you think they're going to use some of these, these assets and this ammo to go up there and do some damage and get to the number one spot so that they have all the opportunities here? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I just don't see Orlando trading out of number mm. one. That would be very kind of antithesis to the way they do business um, in Orlando. I think they'll stick there and take the guy they like most. Um, I think Oklahoma City will try with the 12th pick to move up if they can, if there's a team that's looking to either add, you know, more draft capital down the line, clearly they can, uh, you know, overwhelm with that, with the number of picks that they still own coming their way, but they tried that last year and it didn't work out for them. So, so we'll see, they'll be active and aggressive because that's what Sam Presti does. Mm -hmm. But I get a sense that there is somewhat of a desire to start moving things forward. Not saying they're going, you know, all in on go trade for veterans and stuff, but just start incrementally moving things forward versus continuing this asset collection phase. Scott, which, which team do you think had the worst night last night in terms of this lottery? Uh, you know, there's some decent teams. I know we've talked New Orleans quite a lot on here. We Portland and Indiana are kind of in limbo right now in terms of what kind of team they're going to be for 2022 and San Antonio, I think, yeah, played themselves into right uh, a late a late top 10 pick here in this lottery because they had some late success in, in, in last season but which team stands out right now is uh they probably could have done better yesterday oh the obvious one is detroit having had the 14 percent chance of being in the top three and they fell out of the top four they're the ones that i feel probably lost the most right here Okay. I, I, I can't argue with that. I, I was hoping for better for New Orleans, quite frankly, and not just because of the slander <laughs> against the Lakers, but also because right. I really like how that team is constructed right now. And I want them to continue down that path, but they've got other opportunities to do that. I think, uh, I, go ahead, Scott. I, I, I want to add on to what Keith said with the draft, not being as uh, cut and dry of who's going to be the number one. It's very 
NFL-esque of what we just saw yeah. a couple weeks ago where there was not a slam dunk and there was a lot of movement and, and it more intrigued than in the past because we really don't know what is going to happen. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of a lot of hot stove talk over the next few weeks. And, and Orlando is good at that, by the way. They're good at making weird decisions. So I'm super psyched they're at the top of this list right now because it's good radio for sure. Um, Sacramento, Keith did some damage at the trade deadline now find themselves back in the top five in this draft. Do they get, do they get kind of a mulligan? Do you think that that what they did last season and they're back at square one with the coach and everything at this point, do you think it's just business as usual for them? Or do you think they've got to cover up some mistakes here? Yeah. I mean, they've, they have the kind of foundation of what could maybe be a nice team. The challenge is that feels like that's, you know, we're in your umpteen in a row of yeah. saying that uh, with these guys, but they're going to, again, they're going to add a really good player to, to, to this group uh, that's now headlined by De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis. The challenge is Monty McNair. It just came out recently. He's been in the last year of his deal. So he's kind of working a little bit as a lame duck GM here. And we'll, we'll see. There's been no talks of contract extensions or anything like that. And that gets focused on when it's a coach all the time. We hear you can't have a lame duck coach. Well, I'm more concerned for a franchise if it's a GM, because if, if there's no attachment to the future, then why not, you know, do everything you can to make the present, you know, as good as possible and go all in on trades and stuff. I, I did see a little bit of, you know, Hey, they, they were trying to win last year down the stretch and it just went a little sideways on them after the trade deadline. And maybe that's why they were rewarded with good karma in the, in the draft lottery. And whether you believe with that, believe in that or not, they are in position to do some stuff here. Um, whether they trade that pick, they, they draft the player and add that player, but they're now in a spot where, this is no longer as odd as it may sound for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 16 years. It's they're not a rebuilding team as much as are they've got to make that next step forward. So adding another young player, that might be the best move for the future, but that may not be the best move for right now. And that's where having that uncertainty leading your front office is a little scary. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that they are in a little bit of flux and they're not a dumpster fire. I'll, I'll say it for you. They're not. They're, they've have made some right moves. I'm not sure the trade deadline move was the right move, but I do like Sabonis as, as a singular entity. So we'll see if that can continue with the new coaching staff. Um, big men in general, Keith. Scott and I have had some discussions. I bet you have too, at least internally, um, with all the connections you have. Where are we with big men in this league? Because if you look at the free agent situation, certainly DeAndre Ayton at, this, at the cornerstone of that conversation. And now with a couple of players here in the lottery, are they still as valued as they've ever been? Is it kind of an ebb and flow situation with big men in this league? Do you think that some teams are saying, we are not even going to go there in, in a top five situation. We'd rather get a point score. We'd rather get a three-point weapon. Just, just your general sense with the league and maybe with some teams in particular, how are they treating this? Do, is it a situation? Keith, let me finish on this. Are teams seeing that they can just kind of get these guys on a rental basis in free agency versus drafting them high and making them a cornerstone of the franchise? Yeah, it's a really good question, and, and I like the way you phrased the last part of that. I think the the general consensus is if it's the right big man and he's versatile, then you can build around him. You you can do that. So guys like Chad Holmgren, guys like Jabari Smith, uh, Paulo Bancaro, they they think teams feel good that those are guys we can build around because we can get uh, you know their versatility. They they can you know all uh, you know shoot pass score um that they can all do things as far as you know defensively a little bit you know some more than others um but that that's big the the kind of traditional uh back to the basket big man that's all but gone in the league we you know very few players are playing that way now those are generally guys that are more relegated to bench roles and those kind of things and then the the one thing that i do think teams are now focused on with bigs is unless you are a supreme offensive talent, meaning we can build our entire offensive structure around you as a big, you better be able to protect the rim because otherwise we're just not going to be able to build a functional defense uh, with that player on the floor. So that's, I, I think kind of a long way to answer your question, but it, it is these, the, the real thing is if it's the right big man, if it's Chet Holmgren, mm -hmm. you, you move forward, you build around them, but you're not going to re 
match to draft size the way it was, you know, maybe even as recently as 10 years ago. So, so let's just get to the meat. Is Chad Holgram the number one pick then? Is Orlando crazy not to do it? Yeah, it's, I'm gonna, I think they, they'll take Jabari Smith. I do personally. too, Keith. I do. Yeah, I, I just think he's a better fit for where the roster is right now. They need scoring. They need scoring with size. They need a little bit more versatility there. That it, it may be that Chad Holmgren ends up the better player. Yeah. And, and you try not to, especially at the top of the draft. You don't necessarily want to draft for for need versus you know best player available, especially the way the NBA is structured with such short contracts in the like. But I think in this case, you're looking at a kid who just fits in perfectly. Yeah. You've got Wendell Carter Jr., who you feel really good about. We'll see what Jonathan Isaac he hasn't played in two years. Who knows what's going to happen there? But you had Jabari Smith, and now all of a sudden you've got the, the makings of a team that their ceiling looks a lot higher than it looked you know, even just a couple days ago. I'm 100% with you. I think he's kind of that flex forward kind of player that, that most mm-hmm. teams are dying to get every offseason. Uh, and he can certainly light it up. He's this was the guy 18 months ago. He was the guy, and he had a weird year. And we've seen this happen before. What you know, social media can kind of drive a player's value down. It's just kind of the nature of the beast right now. I think he's the guy for that for that roster as well. And oh, by the way, and, and that would make Chet to OKC, which is a great fit, and that would put Paulo mm-hmm. in Houston, which is a great fit. So I, I do think that that would be how I'd bet this thing right now if I could. And I think I don't think any of those teams would gawk at any of that. Scott, where are you with this? Do you? Do you have a different layout right now? No, I think I agree with everything the both of you said. Um, but th- I think that number one pick is going to set for what OKC and Houston does, because if Chet for some reason goes to Orlando, then that opens the door for Smith to maybe go to Oklahoma City or Bancaro to go to Oklahoma City. And then you go from there. So um <laughs> I, I do find it interesting with the big, big man situation as a whole, as the league with where you were going with that, because, you know, with the eight situation that we're going to get to, do you pay him? Do you not? Or you and I have had conversations in the past two weeks of Rudy Gobert or yeah. other big man that we talked about last episode. So I, I think as a league, as a whole, the big man situation is super interesting to see how teams are going to, from a roster construction standpoint and a financial standpoint, how they're going to value and want to pay these guys moving forward. Can we just put DeAndre Aiden on the Charlotte Hornets now? Can we just all collectively <laughs> agree to do that? That's going to happen, right? Some kind of sign and trade with Charlotte. They've got 11 guards. It's just a good one for one, in my opinion. Um, Real quick at the top, let's talk, let's stick with these top four teams and then we'll switch to some offseason stuff. Orlando, OKC, Houston, Sacramento. Does anybody have to make some sort of current roster move in terms of a trade to kind of set themselves up for, for who they're about to take here? I'm thinking, uh, you know, John Wall is so weird. I don't even, that's probably just a buyout, right, Keith? But uh, yeah. what else happens here on these rosters? You mentioned Shea Jill just, do they just continue down that path? Because I love the player, but I feel like he's not being fully unlocked in this in this organization right now. And I wonder if there's a ticking time on that. We, Sacramento's kind of already done their work. And Orlando, do, they do have two or three big men that probably could be used elsewhere if Chet's the guy. So are, are there names that you think we could float out there as possible trade candidates heading towards this offseason here? Yeah, I think there are some, uh, for, for sure. If we start with Orlando, I think, yeah, if you're going to go Chet Holmgren, you don't need Wendell Carter Jr. and Mobamba both. So whether it's a trade or you do a sign and trade with Mo Bamba just to kind of recoup, recoup some form of value there, or they just say, you know what, let's let them go right. and create the 28 million in cap space we can get to and, and do, do some work that way. That may be the direction that that goes um, for Orlando. And if it's Jabari Smith, there's now an interesting dynamic at play with Jonathan Isaac's contract because he did not meet the game's played thresholds. His contract now becomes very uh, lightly guaranteed. Uh, it's it's mostly guaranteed next season to the, in 22, 23. But beyond that, it's it's only 7.6 million of over 34 million is guaranteed. So they could look to move on from him. They could you know potentially even buy him out or wave and stretch him and just you know move move that money or just even take the 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 uh, dead money hits fully in each year. We'll we'll see what happens there if they decide you know hey with Jabari Smith and Franz Wagner we feel pretty good about our forward line moving forward. So a lot of things there. The Thunder I I don't think they need to do anything as far as 
a massive restructuring of the roster to fit in this player, uh, whoever it is, whether it's Smith or Holmgren or if they like Bancaro better. Um, they're they're about as close to still being a blank slate as you can get. They have some really nice young players that that I think we all like. Um, and I'm with you on SGA for them because they've got to start to move things forward because what will happen is he's he signed the extension, but we're only going to get a year or two into that if they're not winning before he's going to be saying, hey, what are we doing here? Like we are like, I don't want to spend the first five, six years of my career, you know, on these, you know, rebuilding teams that are just collecting draft picks. Houston, there'll be something will happen with Christian Wood is my guess, because they're going to get one of these three bigs. Mm-hmm. And then that's just been so much on the table. My guess is something happens there. John Wall, that's not going to be, whatever's going to happen there is going to happen. Anyway. Keith, is his career over? <laughs> Uh, no, he'll play next year okay. somewhere because after sitting out this entire year in the in a large chunk of last season, I think now that he's in the final year of his deal, if there's no trade, he'll do a buyout um, where where he he gives up you know a decent chunk of money and then he'll catch on with somebody at you know probably likely for the veteran minimum because he's already going to be getting a ton of money from Houston and even through a buyout, he'll catch on somewhere and just try to you know, reboot his career to show like, Hey, if nothing else, I can be a high end backup point guard. You know, maybe he goes kind of the Derek Rose type route yeah. of, you know, Hey, play me 20 minutes a night off the bench and you'll see exactly what I can do. And I can still be really productive on a pretty good team. So it, it, I think, I think that's where that one's going to go. I, I, cause I just finding a trade for that kind of salary, unless it ends up hilariously something again with Russell Westbrook, um, then, you know, maybe, but, but I think more likely we see a buy out there and then he catches on elsewhere. That does smell like Lakers though. I mean, that's exactly the kind of situation the Lakers are going to need this off season, which is basically, we got to take somebody else's trash on a minimum contract and hope it can work out for us. So, um, yep. all right, let's switch to off season. Scott Keith's on a ton of work. I think half the league is now in now in terms of these off season previews. I know we've read them all. Uh, I haven't got to Brooklyn. Brooklyn posted this morning. Certainly that's a polarizing one. Scott, just in, in, in your sense here which of these teams and we're now into the play-in teams essentially which of these teams now has the most interesting offseason what is the must-see team to follow this offseason i don't think it's the lakers by the way i don't (laughs) no probably not is it the clippers scott i i was gonna say the clippers to start i mean Kawhi leonard coming back they already have george under contract they extended covington they traded for powell if if all come back healthy and ready to go and they can fill in some depth on that team, I, I, I like that team a lot from, uh, you know, we've seen what Kawhi can do and what George can do when they're both on the, on the team, but staying healthy and, and making their roster as deep as possible is probably uh, where they need to go. But I, I do think they're interesting because, Kawhi coming back from not playing all year is going to be like they traded for him again yeah. to bring him if in. If he's healthy, know? right. If, right. It if just felt healthy. like last year was just a ramp-up year. And whatever kind of gravy they got of the playoffs was was simply that gravy. Um, and I think they overachieved in that regard. But I, I, do, I do feel like it was about completely allocating resources, dollars, everything, time to 2022. So, so I... I I would watch that team quite a bit because there may be one more big move to really put them over the edge in the Western Conference. Keith, a trivia question for you. Scott and I kind of kind of answered this offline, so I'll keep Scott out of this. DraftKings has as 2022-23 NBA championship odds up. Who is the favorite to win the championship right now? Um, I would assume it's probably someone between the Clippers and the Nets. It's my guess is they're probably. <laughs> it is the Nets and then the Clippers. That is good on you, man. That's that. It took me six guesses to get there. I, I cannot believe. <laughs> can can you? So you understand that then? You just think that that the Durant Irvin situation for a full season is worth the price of admission. Um, <laughs> I base a little bit of that on I know the way people will vote and <laughs> people look at the big names okay. or not vote but bet. Um, so the, so they'll look at the big names and try to try to do it that way. So I do think that's, you know, a huge factor in, into the way they set those early lines, but those two teams should be really, really good next year. I think, um, you know, we you guys just talked about the Clippers incredibly deep. 
about the only thing they are missing right now is a quality backup point guard. That's actually my favorite landing spot for John Wall. I love it. If he gets bought out, I think, you know, go there, you know, reboot your career playing for a really good team. Um, You have a chance to, you know, really show what you can do uh, moving forward. And then the Nets, it's just, it's still so tantalizing because Kevin Durant is great. Kyrie Irving, there's, despite all the swirl, I just, you know, as we said, their offseason preview just posted, I just wrote this today. Yeah. There's constant drama, but this guy still averaged 27.4 points per game on 47, 42, 92 shooting. <laughs> like he's, he's great, right? Like it's, it's so hard because when he plays, he, he's, he's amazing. Then the next thing that I think you need to, to factor in is if they can get Simmons on the floor, this is probably the ideal situation for him because we're going to see him playing kind of as that power forward secondary playmaker type player where the pressure should be off of him to be a main offensive cog. And he can just kind of fit in the system with Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Durant and uh, Kyrie. They're going to have enough offense and scoring around him that this should be able to unlock him fully. So I understand why people might still be there with the Nets. I need to see how they fill out their roster because last year, they blew it, in my opinion. They 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 went for more name than game um, with most of their signing. And you need to get guys in who can really fill roles and play for you because even knowing the vaccination status stuff probably won't be a factor next year. Irving's going to miss time. It's just it happens every year. Kevin Durant's probably going to top out around 60 games at this point in his career. I think we know that. So you have to have quality depth because East is too tough now. You can't just float in as the sixth seed and hope you're just going to, you know, roll everybody over. You have to be in a position where, where you're, you know, playing better, uh, you know, and have that higher seed. Do, do we have a sense for when Ben Simmons will be back? I think I've read three to four months or so. So does that give us what October, November that he'd be back? Yeah. They're saying training camp, um, you know, he should be ready to go, you know, for most of the training camp and then at the start of next season. Now, We'll see. I mean, back injuries are historically tricky. They, they're, they're, you know, more so than anything else. It can be fine until it isn't. So I think we'll, we'll really get a, you know, sense here as we look at this, um, you know, over the next several months, you know, what this looks like. If we start getting reports in July and August that he's in the gym and looking pretty good, I think you feel good that he'll be back out there and, and playing. But if not, that, that gets worrisome for me because now all of a sudden you're going in the season much like Philadelphia did with a 30 plus million dollar salary hole on your, your cap sheet that you can't do anything with. I, I've heard. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I, I just wanted to mention that I, I, you kind of blew breeze past it, but the Joe Harris, Seth Curry situation, that's sneaky underrated. I mean, not having mm-hmm. Joe Harris for 75% of this season and certainly in the postseason was, was ridiculous. It was, it was just a gigantic hole. And to have those kind of shooters, that kind of depth in that position, that is something not many teams in this league have right now. So you're right. Fill in a backup point guard. Maybe it's still Patty Mills. Maybe it's not. Certainly get yourself at least two big men, one via the draft yeah. and one via free agency. But we've just talked about how easy that should be to do as well. I, I just think the issues they have are very, very fixable. Some of them are already on the roster. And then there's the Ben Simmons situation. But I agree with you, Keith. What, what this team is going to allow to happen is, is to just specify his role so so sm- shortly and small. You know what I mean? Like he is not going to have to be the only thing surrounding him. That's going to be a problem is the thing that he's bringing with him, right? Is his mm-hmm. baggage is his salary yep. and his baggage over the last two to three seasons. And once that starts to dissipate and it will, because Kyrie Irving is next to him and Kevin Durant is next to him. And, and, and there should be wins that replace that kind of baggage. I, I think that will be a big, big situation. So I understand the potential for this. And I understand that's why Vegas is, is doing what they're doing with this team. But everybody's got a what if. Everybody in this team has a what if. And that's oh, terrifying. Yeah, I think what's what one of them is, too, is it did with would it shock you at all if on a, you know June 30th, when free agency breaks, if one of the first tweets is Woj says Kyrie Irving's decided to sign somewhere else? Yes. Like, I mean, it would surprise me, but I wouldn't be like, well, I could have never, ever possibly imagined that. 
because it's Kyrie Irving. You, you predicting. I learned from his time with the Boston Celtics, covering him on a day to day basis, trying to predict what the, that guy's going to do. <laughs> that that's an exercise in futility. Let me let me and tell you not, let me tell you why I push back on that. And but by the way, you're sure. de- you're definitely right. I mean, he has shown us four <laughs> to five times now in this career that he is going to do what he's going to do. But I think Kevin Durant, yes, played this so well in 2021, 22 didn't even really have to publicly stick up for him. You know what I mean? Like didn't have to say it out loud, but the things that he did and just really pushed through and and took homage of the situation. And and you could tell that he was taken care of and covering for Kyrie Irving in a very positive way. And I think Kyrie will not leave that. I think he knows what he's got with Kevin Durant, not just on the court, but as a, as a compadre, as a guy next to him in the locker room and things like that, he's not walking away from that. Not to mention the money's stupid, but if he does, Jalen Brunson's in in a heartbeat. (laughs) <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I what I wrote for this site today, um, and you can read this this on the Nets offseason previews. I think what happens is it's a max deal, but I think it's probably a four-year max deal okay. for Kyrie versus five, and that aligns him with Kevin Durant's timeline after the extension he signed this past offseason. Then they're aligned through 25-26, and you figure it out from, from there. And I think getting that solved and handled and out of the way, that allows you then to immediately turn around and focus on how do we flesh out the rest of this roster? Yeah. Because, yeah, you only need to be about eight, nine deep come playoff time, but because of the age, injury concerns of this team, they need to be about 12 deep for the regular season. And this is a good year to be working with the taxpayer mid-level in veteran minimums because a lot of really good players are going to get squeezed because there's just not a lot of spending power around the NBA this summer. So I think that that has a chance for them to really fill out this roster. You just can't, it just can't be, well, that guy was really good four years ago. That guy was really good in 2010. Like you have to go get guys who are you know pretty good players now. Scott, two teams I want to piggyback together for your, uh, your portion of this segment. Cleveland didn't have the the lottery situation that they wanted. Obviously, they wanted to slide up into the top 10 if possible. They stuck at 14, which is where they belonged. They had a good season. They're they're a up-and-coming team. There's no question about it. But they're not going to they're not going to draft somebody this year in my opinion that's going to jump on the floor and make them immediately better, which means they have to do their dirty work elsewhere. Free agency is a bit of a farce, especially when it comes to smaller cities like Cleveland. What what are, what are they doing? The team I want to link them with and you can run with this as you need are the Washington Wizards, who I believe are in the exact same situation. Yeah, uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, I think the the biggest piece that could be moved in some fashion, if they don't want to keep him, is Colin Sexton. You know, he's sure. he's gonna. They'll have a, a restricted free agency on him, so they could match something, do a sign and trade. But I think that's the piece that. You know, we've been talking about for what a year and a half now that has been floated that he could be traded. And now with the rise of Garland and some of these other pieces uh, that are there, I think he's probably the obvious piece that is off this roster. And if they do a sign and trade, then they could potentially bring back some more depth to help that roster if they move on from him. Yeah. Keith, how um, do they get shooting on that team? Yeah, that's that's a tricky part there. Unless you start using you know maybe sexton in a sign and trade mm-hmm. um where, where you send him out and bring something back they, they're just it's probably going to be uh more or less running it back um with what they have and hoping for more internal improvement um they missed sexton last yeah. year i think it, it's become he's he's become an underrated player because I think there was a sense when they were a really bad team that he was just one of those Jordan Clarkson types who's, you know, he's going to take a million shots and score points, but it's inefficient. And that was couldn't be further from the truth, especially when they flip-flopped him and Garland and said, all right, you know what, Sexton, you're the off-ball guy. Garland's the primary initiator. It all started to click. Hmm. And it happened about midway through the season two years ago. Now what's happened is, is they, they got into this year Garland clearly took that leap to the point where he's an all-star level guy. He's looking at a max extension uh, this offseason that'll kick in in 23-24. But for Sexton is, I would just try to keep him and roll forward because we see this now. Look at these teams that have advanced far in the playoffs. All of them have multiple ball handlers and creators. 
And when you have the kind of the supersized front line, especially if Allen and Mobley are backing it up, you can get away with two small guards because those two guys are so good and can cover for you. But yeah, finding at least one more perimeter shooter, that that would be good. The challenge is not a great free agent market to get it. So they may be having a look to do that via trade. I'm glad you brought the size part of it up because you mentioned it in the, in the offseason piece for the Cavaliers. And I actually thought it was one of the most interesting points you've, you've made thus far. It's been a problem in the postseason. I think it was a problem for Phoenix this past series. I know it was a problem for Brooklyn in, in their in their early series. Having a small backcourt is great because generally those are great ball handlers who can facilitate the offense properly. But when you're matched up against big guards, and there are teams, certainly Boston, who have big guards, monstrous guards, and, and Luca's one another example of that, you're just not getting through that situation on a series basis. Does Cleveland is Cleveland mindful of that? And do you think that's going to factor into this offseason? Yeah, I think they're mindful of it. I think what they believe, though, is we'll have Mobley and Allen back there to clean it up sure. if we need to. We, and Evan Mobley, what he did defensively as a rookie, it's just unheard of. You, you just don't see that. And this is a guy who you know came in was just a destructive force on that end of the floor. And, and that um, ability that he has is so huge. So I think what we're really going to be looking at moving forward is that's how they're going to build this team, team out is, you know, hey, if we're a little smaller, that's okay, because we've got those two bigs and Allen and Mobley. We're mobile. They can cover for a lot of stuff. We need to send help. We'll send help. But it, it comes at the, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the trade-off of we'll have a better offense. And that's where I think they need to take their step forward. Their defense was was okay last year and they feel pretty good. So now it's, you know, how do we get this thing moving forward on the, uh, on the um, offensive end so that we're more consistent. Scott marketing Sexton and number 14 for Bradley Beal. Who says no. Washington. <laughs> Keith, do you agree? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't think that's the kind of, it shouldn't be the kind of package that moves uh, Washington because you, you ought to be able to get more for Bradley Beal. If, what? If you if you're putting actually putting them on the market, sure. Yeah, and I think with, going back to your initial grouping, Cleveland and Washington together, Washington, it, they're in a super interesting uh, situation because Bradley Beal has his player option. We're all assuming he's just going to opt out and then sign back with Washington potentially. Is you know he doesn't really want to go anywhere from what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. um, but they need a point guard. They're, uh, they traded away Spencer Dinwiddie. They played on some minimum salary guys all season with point guards. And um, so I think they need to go that route in some fashion in, in free agency or in the draft or whatever it might be. They need to work on that side of the ball. I think they'll potentially bring back Thomas Bryant as their big man, you know, to because KP – we know what he is. He likes to play the big man, but he likes to stretch it out. So I think they need a true big man where Bryant missed quite a bit of time due to injury. So I think you bring him back and you uh, you gel that together and bring in a, a legit point guard. Uh, I, I think they'll be rolling much better than they were this season. Yeah, no question. Um, rapid fire, Keith. Let's finish on this. We're, we're talking options here. Bradley Beal, in or out? Uh, in. Oh, I'm sorry, out. Out, but resigns. Out, but resigns. John Wall's going to opt in, in and then buy out? Yeah, he's definitely opting in. He's not giving up $47 million. <laughs> um, and then I would assume, yes, buy out. So selfish, $47 million. Um, <laughs> James Harden? Uh, now it gets interesting. I love I, this. I love that you're wavering on it. <laughs> if we had this conversation even a week and a half ago, Keith, you're making me look up. good here, man. I said this is going to happen. I would say he's going to opt out and then he's going to sign the long term extension. Now, I, I kind of wonder, I think this is where his relationship with Daryl Morey is so key. I still think he opts out, but I think then it becomes a shorter deal for a whole bunch of money. Uh, that's what I said a couple weeks ago. Yep. I said that yeah, a couple Scott, weeks ago. Scott said it's going to be the CP3 kind of thing where you, Might be. you opt out a little bit, get a little bit more guaranteed, but it's not going to be anything that's going to damage the next decade for Philadelphia, which certainly makes sense. But it'd be a hell of a lot more fun if he just opts in 
and that he's <laughs> yeah. an expiring contract that really can't can't do anything but you know besides play it out for 2022. Uh, Westbrook's going to opt in, obviously, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. Kyrie is an out, right? And then it's a we'll wait and see, or do you think it's just going to be a, a matter of fact type thing when, at the end of the day? No, I I, I do think it's it's an opt out, and then I think he gets a four year max with okay. Brooklyn and aligns with KD. We uh we did a little bit of an off season dive on the remaining teams in the playoffs last show. And Pat Connaughton was a player that I thought could bounce out of Milwaukee. So, somebody always bounces out of the good teams every year, at least one notable player. So, and I've got Connaughton as that player. Am I incorrect? Uh, no, it, it's definitely possible. They are starting to get really, really expensive uh, in, in Milwaukee. And that, that's, I mean, part of that's what happens when you win a championship, but they now have, uh, three guys that are essentially on on what is more or less max contracts and in Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. So someone I agree with you is going to get priced out. They chose to re-sign Grace or give Grayson Allen the contract extension. Okay. Uh that now doesn't look so great after really horrible playoffs. Um so yeah if they're going to lose somebody gets priced out it, it will be Pat Connaughton. And that's a guy, you know, we talk, there's not a ton of shooting on the market, but that's a guy team should be offering a large chunk of their MLE to because he's, he's really pretty good and he knows how to play a role. I agree with that. Uh, that's exactly how I see it. I think he, he, he can smell the open market a little bit and understand that some of these major contenders, not that he's not on one right now, could, could really utilize him maybe even more so than he's being utilized right now. And I think that's, a, that's where this will go. Any other parting thoughts from you, Scott? I know there's a lot of work to be done here in terms of getting these updated rosters and things like that ready. Um, just, uh, you know, when do you think we'll start to see some of this offseason stuff coming to fold? Is it going to be late June again? Yeah, it usually ends up being late June around when the draft is where you might have some jockeying or, um, you know, said trades, but don't go official until July, but a handshake of a trade. That's when we usually see a lot of the movements. We're going to start seeing. Uh, some of these player options rumored. I mean, we had one yesterday with Derek favors mm-hmm. opting into his player option. So we're going to start seeing some of those, but it's usually late June running up towards the draft. Keith, Can I give one, go ahead. Man. Sorry. One thing to really keep an eye on to related to what Scott just said. Yeah. Oklahoma city. This right now is sitting on between 22 in 32 million in cap space if they were to renounce a bunch of free agents um they could get to like old free agents like guys like nick collison who represented them on the draft lottery podium last night they still have his cap hold on the books so they but that dries up the minute the league year changes over Mm. because of favors opting in uh gilgis alexander 30.5 million dollar uh, salary projected in the first year of his extension, a uh, whole bunch of other guys under guaranteed contracts and 27.4 million in dead money for Kemba Walker. They're going to be super active at the draft because that is the last opportunity and chance to use that 20 to 30 million oh, I in love this. cap space. Um, so that's just something we have to keep an eye on. Even if it's just, they eat a bad contract or two from a team to help them, free things up moving into the summer, they're going to do that because the important thing now is now we're, we're into, they can um, go up to 20 players because they're in off season mode. So they can go up to 20 players on their roster. So they can just eat a deal or two without having to even send anything real back. It could be, you know, a top 55 protected pick or, you know, anything like that. So they're going to be active at the draft because they're sitting on that big chunk of cap space that has a true expiry date of July 1st. Do you think, I love that you're building this around the draft too, because they're, they're, again, they're one of the most interesting teams with those two top 12 picks and the number two overall pick, all this cap space, they, that they've got all these draft asset capital already, right? Do you think they would continue to go down that path? Is that really still Presti's goal? Or do you think that that cap space can be used for a legitimate player right now to supplement whatever draft pick they get? Yeah, it might be um, like a Jeremy Grant, right? Of, Something like that. It, uh, he's probably a little too good okay. to just kind of be, be sent packing. But you, you're, I like the way you're thinking. Like, I think you're kind of along the, the right lines of 
it might be a helpful player who's maybe on not a great contract. People keep trying to link the Tobias Harris stuff. Mm. That one's just a little too far out for me unless they really wanted to do something where, hey, Philly, you want to take Derek Favors? Which I wouldn't be opposed to if I was Philadelphia. That would give you at least a somewhat quality backup. And, hey, Al Horford proved go to OKC and sit for half a season. I guess you get these magical powers where I'm the final <laughs> to come back. So maybe that's what happens with Derek Favors. But maybe you do favors in, in a large chunk of that cap space and you go get Tobias Harris. And then Harris is a guy who, is he overpaid? Sure. But he could be really helpful for this team moving forward if they're ready to start moving off the ladder. Because, yeah, I don't know that you can continue to say, all right, send us a guy and we'll eat a first-round pick for you. Because... I, as I wrote about for the site, I think it was now a month or so ago, you've kind of already pushed that as far as it can. Yeah, I'm done with that. It's it's yeah. getting it's getting silly now to continue to collect picks like this because you just can't combine them and uh, do a consolidation trade to move up. They tried. They, they failed with that. So that's what I think it might be more than just straight eating a bad contract. It might be, hey, we'll help you out by taking this money on and we'll get something where we move into a uh, – you know, position where all right, we're starting to move up the ladder here to be a little bit more competitive. Keith, yeah, can that be it, Duncan Robinson? It could be. Yeah. And he'd be a great fit because that team is short on shooting. Yeah. Um, for sure. That 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 could be a guy who who you go and do that with. I mean, there there's there's a whole, you know, uh, host of players that you could look at. And the Heat are gonna do something with Duncan Robinson. You don't re-sign a guy for ninety million dollars, <laughs> take him completely out of your rotation. And then say, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be fine moving forward. It, especially knowing they have to re-sign Tyler Hero. Right. They've got other stuff where they've got to fill out that roster. I would be very surprised if Duncan Robinson's on that team next year. I, I want to add on to what Keith said about eating the money with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Until that July 1st, the salaries that are used are still the 21-22 right. salaries. So right. that's important to know that when they're eating that money, it's the current salary and not the 22 23 salary those do not kick in until that july first day so yeah. that's why you start seeing some and we've seen it in the past few years where these these weird trades that end up happening and then they actually process before july 1 because they're using that 21 22 or that current year's salaries mm -hmm. in effect for that it's good stuff that's definitely something to watch over the next couple of weeks and like i said i think that's the team as a whole to watch the most heading towards this draft and then into the off season as well. Good stuff, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. For plenty more draft coverage, visit the athletic and start at the athletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off. Download that app and get ad free NBA draft, NBA off season and all other sports coverage at your fingertips. Visit dynastyowner.com. If you are a professional, aspiring, experienced, amateur dynasty fantasy football player, this is the, uh, the cream of the crop. Real NFL salaries, tons of new rules, lots of customizations. It's just the best start for your current or new Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Visit DynastyOwner.com. My thanks to Keith Smith. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. 